Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight is freelance tech maven, Jen Cutter. Jen, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure to be here. All right, let's talk racing all night. Oh, um, we can do that. <laughs> uh, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair to our other guest, probably. Um, oh, Game Spy, editor-in-chief, Dan Stapleton. What's a car? Yeah, exactly. See, this, we can't, you, you, were not, you were not invited back for that show. Well, I was I was just stuck in traffic, so I've I've had enough of talking about about of cars in general, not just talking about them, being in them, being anywhere near them. Enough. Yeah, and and we certainly had enough uh, enough of waiting for you to drag your ass home. So <laughs> this this whole editor in chiefing thing is is more work than uh, than I thought. So yeah, you could always try freelancing. <laughs> Start rolling in the dough. Uh, all right, so you are both. Uh, fairly recently returned from a trip to Stockholm. Is that correct? I deny it. No, I don't. No, uh, there's there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. Are, are you or have you ever been a communist, sir? Uh, <laughs> so, you, so you were both in Stockholm for uh, the, the Paradox Con, uh, which I was at last year in New York City, but uh, sadly they moved it across the ocean, uh, probably just to spite my travel spa- travel plans. Uh, so, so how uh, so how was it this year, guys? You know, I I, uh, I enjoyed it. It was actually it was more uh, a little bit more than I expected them to to do. I, I hadn't been to a, a PDX con before, but um, but it was uh, you know they uh, they held it at a castle, which uh, was unusual. It wasn't actually the kind of castle you you think of when you think castle, but it was an, a very old castle-like structure, um, and they had just a, a ton of games, uh, a lot more than I expected from from Paradox, um, and some very promising-looking ones as well. Um, including a couple of surprises. You know, I guess I, w- I would I would st- I would start off by asking you both. Um, you know, what were from from everything you saw? What what were the games that y- you came away most excited about? Well, Jen, do you want to start out? Uh yeah. Uh, hands down for me, it's War of the Roses. I cannot wait to play that game. So so, what is War of the Roses? I, I've looked at some screenshots. I get a bit of a mountain bladey vibe from it, but. You know that that's just me jumping to conclusions. What what what's that about, and how's it how's it play? Well, I'm looking at their press sheet here, and they're they're calling it an action game. But part of the thing that I took away from it was kind of, you know, Team Fortress Two with melee combat in a medieval setting with all kinds of maps, and I'm really really excited about that. They've spent a lot of time building up uh, their engine and their and their characters, and their combat controls actually look really interesting. So using uh, the mouse and directional strokes to swing your weapon or to block uh, everybody, and it's kind of interesting because like you can use your shield, but if you only use your shield to block, it's going to break, and then you're kind of screwed. So you have to learn how to parry and, and take care of your of your guy and your weapon and your horse, and it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I was pretty impressed by it as well. And I, the, the comparison they're drawing, and and uh, very unashamedly so, is is calling it uh, medieval Call of Duty. Um, and it's and they they do that because it's you know multiplayer only, and um, it has a perk system and a you know persistent character profile with, with experience and you unlock perks. So um, it's very similar to Call of Duty in that respect. And I guess they're they're guaranteeing uh, uh, 32 players, uh, not ruling out 64 in a match, which would be kind of awesome. Um, and yeah, the, what uh, what Jen was saying about the combat system and the, and the kind of gesture-based controls um, looks very promising. I've I've never actually seen anyone pull this off before, though, in a, in a way that that isn't really frustrating. But 
um, you know, fingers crossed, maybe they'll make it work. The, the way it, it works is like you, you uh, if you've got a sword, you uh, you click and drag the mouse in one direction or another, and uh, and kind of charge up the swing. And as you're doing that, your character, you know, kind of you know brings his arm up to or down to to thrust or wherever. But it charges up the power the longer you hold it up, and that gives the the person on the receiving end, in theory, time to uh, right click and move in that in the opposing direction to block it. Um, and so that that telegraphing, in theory, will give you time to to react. Um, if if that actually works, it could could lead to some some really cool sword fighting. So did, now I'm not clear. Did you guys actually get a chance to play it, or was it just demoed for you? We did get to I did get to play it a little bit, uh, but not against anybody. Uh, okay. So uh, you know, I just got to run around one of the maps. Um, didn't there was nobody else there? Couldn't fight anybody. Uh, so it, it didn't. I didn't get a sense of what what the combat would actually be like, other than testing out the the gesture controls, which does which do work. You know, I can't can yeah. say that much. Yeah, but it it definitely seems like multiplayer would be a challenge because I mean, when I play um, I, don't know, I guess I keep coming back to the the Mountain Blade comparison because that's kind of my kind of my touchstone. Though this sounds like it might be a bit more like um, oh, what was that game? A Die by the Sword. Uh, I never, never did play that one, but uh, but they you know they they make comparisons to Mountain Blade as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's you know Mountain Blade has, is a um, you know single player oriented sandbox RPG, and this is purely dedicated to the multiplayer combat. Right. I, I think what what I see happen a lot in in Mountain Blade though is like just just because you know with, with uh, you know, connect, connection issues, uh, a little bit of latency. It can be right. tough to time these time attacks and blocks really well. So what you see happening a lot in multiplayer is uh, that old standby of, um, you know, step back while a guy is like, you know, swinging, then charge forward and swing at him and then run back. So you get like these little Skyrim combat. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, perfect. Uh, that's that's what what I see an awful lot of there. Uh, and and I guess, you know, I mean that, that would that would seem like. That would be my big fear with this, I guess, would be, you know, if if if, if this doesn't work that well online, you, you're going to end up with a lot of that. Right. Well, I asked them about that specifically, which is why they're only doing dedicated servers for this. You can't just play your friend directly. You have to go through their servers. So it's partially DRM in that way, but it also hopefully levels the playing field so that everybody's getting the same data at the same time. Well, I was asking them about that as well, and they they haven't decided yet whether they are, and it's it's definitely not going to be a peer to peer architecture like uh, like the uh, like Call of Duty Black Ops was. Um, it uh, it will definitely have dedicated servers, but they haven't decided yet whether they go, they're going to release the server software to let you host your own uh, or make you rent one. Um, and the, the the decision point there is whether or not uh, they're willing to uh, take the the chance that you know people will be you know hosting uh, a server on like a netbook in in Serbia or something. And and just have and people connect to it and just have a terrible experience and then you know complain that the game sucks, um, which is you know it's a consideration. It's 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 uh, you know kind of terrible for for the modding community who want uh, you know for people who want to run their own servers and and uh, have are accustomed have been accustomed to doing that, but um, but from their perspective it, and for the vast majority of, of gamers as a whole, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, but they're still up in the air about that. Yeah, I, I suppose it, it does seem so. You so you like you you would not be able to. I could not buy myself server space and run and run a War of the Roses server. Oh, you could buy yourself server space. That, that's that's definitely going to happen. But okay. whether you can run whether we can run one out of your own house is the 
question. Yeah, okay, that's kind of what I'm talking about. You can buy one, you'd have to, would you have to be buying one from, like, Paradox, for instance, or? Uh, They they didn't say who would be doing it. I mean, if it's anything like Battlefield, like, they they, uh, outsource it to a certain number of of companies uh, that that do server server hosting. Yeah, 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 okay. So, yeah, so when you put it that way, uh, that that, that clears it up a bit. Yeah, I I guess I don't know that many people who built themselves server PCs for for multiplayer gaming, but it is is kind of a nice option to have, uh, especially when you're playing with, like, a small, tight-knit group of friends. Yeah, I mean, the, there, are, there are big communities of people who do that, who run their own servers. Uh, less so these days, but, but you know, especially in the, in the heyday of Battlefield 1 and 2 and, and that type of game, um, there, there are you know, big communities of people who did it and, and had a, you know, a lot of fun. And those are the people that get really upset about no dedicated servers when, that's, when that kind of thing is announced. Right. So is this just going to be like, uh, like big medieval melees, or are there going to be like missions? Uh, what type of what type of uh, gameplay scenarios can uh, can we look forward to? Definitely big medieval melees. They are going to have some attack and defend stuff, um, but that's that's all they uh, told me about. But there there, are, there aren't any like complex objectives that, that we're aware of at this point. No, but there is that tournament map, which I hope will have some interesting modes for, because that's where you can go to show off all of the perks and your cool different armors that you have and your hat and your plumage. Yeah, they've got customizable plumage for your helmet, which, <laughs> you know, if if, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, right I guess. And, and, you know, that one thing I like about that is that it, um, it lets you spot somebody who's leveled up. Uh, you know, you can, you can see somebody who's a high-level player, before they actually, you're actually like up in in combat with them, uh, whereas in something like Call of Duty or something, um, you know the high level players you don't necessarily know who's high level and who's not unless they're carrying a really big gun. Yeah. So what sort of, what sort of advantages are high level players going to have? Uh, just a bunch of a bunch of perks. Um, a lot of them uh, ha- also have downsides. Like there, there's there's one that they gave me as an example, which was you can uh, you can have a a cavalry perk where you start with a horse, um, but when you dismount, you're weaker. Uh, so, uh, it's, you know, that, that kind of thing yeah, yeah. where there's a drawback. And there's also, like, a shield bash perk and stuff like that. Okay, but, I mean, yeah, because my concern, whenever I hear about progression systems, I start to worry again about, like, well, my early my early period with um, Battlefield 3, for instance, was just, like, at, like just chain death. Right. Uh, because, you know, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of basically... Plainly unfair fights uh, that w- that would routinely arise, and that that can be, that can be a bit frustrating. And I guess my my concern with a game about like medieval combat would be like, well, this dude's just got this dude just has a really great sword, and oh, there goes your shield. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I, I kind of uh, loathe character proge- progression systems and shooters as well for that very reason. It's, it's like uh, the the first you know however many hours are just a miserable experience because you you are just outmatched both by you know, people who who have, have practiced more than you and know the maps and everything, and also they're better equipped. It makes no sense to me. Um, for some reason, in a medieval setting, though, it it feels more appropriate um, because, like, it's like, oh, this this guy's just you know, he's a, he's like a badass knight. Yeah. Um, maybe I, I'm sure, like in practice, it's exactly the same. But just you know, looking at it from from afar and not having played it yet. Um, for some reason, I, I I feel more accepting of it. That could very well change when I actually you know play it in in combat. Right. Um. So so Dan, what was what was your what, what game uh, did you come away with uh, looking forward to the most? 
You know, the, the thing that, that surprised and impressed me the most was uh, Gettysburg Armored Warfare. And, no uh, kidding. <laughs> this, this <laughs> it's come is, a long way, Rob. Yeah. This thing is, is probably you know, more, more in, in line with uh, what a lot of your listeners are expecting, uh, you know, in, in that it's a strategy game, at least mostly. Um, it is uh, a uh, Civil War game where a, there, where somebody has gone back in time and brought like steampunk versions of 2060 uh, weaponry back in time and uh, equipped the the north and the south both with the same the same weaponry. I don't know why anyone would do that because that's kind of a really douchey thing to do. And like I, I see, you know, you want to like, you want to one side to win, so you give it to that side. But yeah, why but give so, some sides? some dude is thinking this war could have been worse. Could have been bloody. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if these guys had chain guns, this would go much better. Um, so maybe they just did it for their inter- their own entertainment, but there's no like story campaign or anything in it. So it's you know, it's, it's just kind of a <laughs> it's totally weird... just a background setting for just insanity, right? Okay. So it's it's you know from from afar it kind of looks like a total war game. Um, yeah. But you you know then you can you can zoom in and you can take direct control of one of these guys in third person. Um, so either you either take control of a soldier. Or you take control of a tank, or a uh, or a, a blimp. They've got they've got like war blimps, um, which apparently they'll have in 2060. But um, and are you like jumping into that unit's POV or in third person? Yeah, so you oh, still okay, see the okay. unit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're running around the battlefield, shooting things up, and uh, then you can you know zoom back out and give orders. Uh, it supports 64 players, which is kind of nuts. Um, and yeah, it just it looks hilarious. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if it's going to be even a really good game or anything, but I really want to play with it, and it's it's going to be ten bucks. So you know, the, the barrier to entry is pretty low. Even if you just jump in and like set up a, a skirmish against the computer, and you know, to set up one side with all like regular Civil War troops with with their you know single shot rifles, or I guess they had multiple shot rifles at that point, but um, but just you know, 1860s rifles, and then you're running around with your 2060s guy with a, with a chain gun just mowing them down. I mean, that, that's some oh entertainment God. right there. Ten bucks worth of entertainment for, oh for a weekend. God. Yeah, why not? The maps uh, are so huge, too. Nine kilometers huge. by nine kilometers. And yep. you get the world builder, which I'm really looking forward to playing with. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's just a you know, kind of basic uh, land and uh, raising and lowering and water level raising and lowering, and I guess you can, you can place buildings and things like that. Uh, so so everyone, but like so, every, you can take control of like any of your units. So if you have like sixty four people playing, for instance, or or maybe let's let's go to numbers I can comprehend with a game like this. Let's go to thirty two. Um, so is everyone going to have like a little army that they can be jumping into units in and out of? I wasn't entirely clear on that. I think in the I think the, um, there's a deathmatch mode, which I think is um, kind of like. Um, like a, a, a MOBA style thing where there are a bunch of troops running at each other and you jump in and, and control one on your side. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way it works. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into the beta and trying that out. Um, and in that mode, you can't give orders to your troops, you know, strategic orders to your troops. You can just jump in and shoot. So, so Jen, you were with me last year when we, when we saw this game. And I mean, at the time, it was in a really rough state. And um, I, I would lovingly say it looked... You know, it, well, it looked like it was going to be this really janky, high concept, um, you know, action action game. Uh, so, how's it how's it looking right now? Like, like, what are the production values? And uh, again, did you, did you get a chance to like see it really being like being played? 
Uh, I did actually, and we we saw like the the kind of like the low res build version, and then because we had extra time, we saw the high res fifty fps beautiful texture version. It looks freaking amazing. It's hard to believe that one guy put all of this stuff together, but well, it looks well, amazing. Well, well, well. Well, mostly. He, he didn't. He didn't. Like, there's one guy who's who's like the the project lead, and he's he's like he's the programmer. So he he programmed everything, but he didn't do all the art himself or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the textures look amazing. Uh, they got an orchestra to do the soundtrack, which is great. The voice acting is actually pretty strong, and did not annoy the living crap out of me, which I was worried that it would. But there were some some cute phrases that hopefully will not lose their luster over many repeated hearings. Yeah, they had some pretty hilarious stuff, like when you click on the on the Zeppelin and and you know the the, the acknowledgments. Jeez, that's I I am I'm thrilled to hear that it's that it's coming along because it sounded like a really, well, it it looked and sounded bizarre. I I don't want to say it, it it looks gorgeous, but it looks it looks good enough that uh, you know especially from you know a small for a ten dollar game it looks quite good. But it's it's just going to be multiplayer or yes yeah okay. and you you can play against the computer as well. Okay, but like, but there's there's no story to it. It's just going to be here's here's craziness. Yeah, there, there's no no campaign, no missions, right? So, okay, but there, then there's there's one thing that puzzles me. Then, what's the point of having it in the Civil War? Like, I mean, are you seriously going to want to take control of some dude with like a musket when guys are running around like super like in futuristic tanks and uh, you know zeppelins? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what's the point of the Civil War setting. Uh, if it, it certainly sounds like this would be a game where the the future units are just going to dominate the game, and every, that's what everyone's going to be playing. Well, it's it's point based, so the the older units will presumably cost less points to deploy than the than the uh, future units. Um, and you know, a, a gun is a gun, so you'll still do some damage by by shooting somebody with a with a. A gun. <laughs> yeah, and gun. they don't have like two minute reloads or anything. They they, they kind of fudge that so you, your musket people can reload pretty quickly. Okay. So it, yeah. So it's it's not, it, and I I think the 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 point of it is you know kind kind of novelty. Yeah. Um, I I don't think it's it's going to be like a, a huge like mechanic, but I do think it'll be hilarious. And right. one, one thing about this game, looking at it, is I I can't wait for the Star Wars mod. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I think yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be terrific, especially you know if they can get ATSTs running around in there, and uh, ATATs would be even even more awesomer. But uh, I and I, I expect that to ha- to you know I I think the first stormtroopers will have boots on the ground in the first week. <laughs> so I guess moving on from that, I, I kind of wanted to ask after a game that I've been uh, kind of curiously interested in uh, since last year, and that would be a uh, naval warfare Arctic Circle, uh, just because. You know, I mean, I'm a big Red Storm, Red Storm Rising fan. Uh, read the, read all those Clancy books when I was young. So, so how's that? How's that game coming together? I thought it looked good. I mean, it's um, the, the, I'd say that the graphics are not as good as as uh, Gettysburg, but that's not the important part of it. Obviously, um, there's you know they they, they showed us a, a couple of demos where uh, it was kind of a cat and mouse game with the radar. And I, I you know as kind of a layman, I didn't really realize that radar worked like this where uh, apparently, they, they, it's not like running active radar like all the time. Like they they turn it off when they're in engagement engagements to avoid giving away their location. Right. Uh, I I had no idea. I thought that was just constant a constant thing. But um, so they they you know had a, a few 
ship engagements where there there was like small fleets of probably like ten ships plus uh, support craft like or you know planes uh, from from a carrier, and uh, you know just just you know the 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 guy running the demo hit the uh, hit the time compression button and then all of a sudden you see a couple of blips of of uh, you know incoming red missiles on the on the radar, and also I, I didn't really realize that that fighters could shoot down incoming missiles from like ship to ship missiles. But apparently they do that all the time, um, and you know it was a big exercise of, of shooting those down. Just you know, kind of real time strategy, you know, pretty pretty rudimentary uh, controls, very in- intuitive. I guess rudimentary isn't isn't the word for it, but um, but understandable. Not it wasn't like overly cluttered or anything. I I, I uh, am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's a nice clear UI, and as Dan said, like the tactical map, which you're probably going to spend most of your time looking at. It's not the prettiest thing, but it is very clear, very concise, impossible to get confused. I, I actually really liked it. It made the game seem approachable. Well, I, and you know, I, I wasn't just talking about the, the tactical map, which is, you know, it's icons on a, on a big map. Uh, but ev- even the, the 3D view is, I thought, pretty rough. Uh, you know, it, it, gets, it gets the point across, but right. it, it doesn't, it's, it's not flashy at all. Now, how far, how far along is this game? Um, like, is oh, it's, it's coming in the next few months, I believe. Yeah, um, Q2. Check. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, it, it, there was nothing in there except for maybe a few icons that looked like placeholder. Um, and nothing was broken. There were, I didn't see any bugs in the demo they gave, so it looked, you know. Did you looked... get to see any weather? Uh, no. Well, I did actually see some some rain. You know, of course, it's just, it's just in the, the tiny... Uh, the tiny uh, window down at the bottom, and you can you can switch switch the two views. I mean, the, there's there's one view that uh, that dominates the screen. It's the upper two thirds of the screen, and then down in the bottom, there's another little window. Uh, most of the time, it's got the tactical map up in the up in the um, up in the the big part, and the bottom part is the the 3D view that shows you the unit you've got selected. But you can swap them so you can see the big view of the unit you've got selected in 3D. Right. So. Um, well, I was just going to ask. Uh, so, did they get into faction design at all? Because last time I talked to them, they they were trying something where it's like U.S., Russian, and I want to say like uh, U.K. EU uh, fleets would be playable. They uh, they said it was it was NATO versus Russia, um, and they they said they don't they only had one v one multiplayer because they just had those two factions. They couldn't make up new ones. Okay, so so the so it'll it'll be all the NATO ships then, but the it, it, the idea of having all these different navies is maybe not so prominent as it was when I talked to them. I guess not. Okay, um, but so so you you as someone who like doesn't know that much about naval warfare, you were able to sort of like get a handle on what was going on and like the, all all the stuff was like making sense to you in the game. Yeah, I mean, once I once I started to understand the radar mechanics, and uh, you know, other than that, it, it seemed uh, pretty intuitive. I guess uh, one one thing that they uh, they said they, they they're doing that's pretty uh, uh, that's a divergence from real warfare is that uh, you can actually continue to control submarines and give them orders when they're submerged, um, because I guess it was it was. It wasn't. They said it wasn't very fun to to uh, you know give a sub orders and then not see it for you know however long until it comes back up. Um, right. So it, in reality, they don't communicate at all. But yeah, it it, it seemed it seemed fairly intuitive. I I think uh, I think I'll be able to play it without too much trouble. Cool. Now, I would I would say that 
Paradox, from from a from a quality control standpoint, had kind of a bad year last year. Very true. And so, I mean, all these all these games sound exciting and everything, but I mean, by the end of last year, I was really starting to lose any sort of faith that as a publisher, Paradox can bring a quality title to market. I mean, Magicka had a rough launch. Um, Mountain Blade had uh, really a game breaking bug that it shipped with. Like it was the the game was basically unplayable in single player uh, past a certain point uh, with a, with a bug that was in it at launch. And then, of course, Sword of the Stars too. Um, Still isn't co- totally fixed. Yeah, I, I think some of the I think some of those problems probably go design deep, and then you you can never patch them. I think there's conceptual issues in that game. Um, and if I can ever bring myself to play it in some sustained fashion, we may do a show on it. <laughs> but so, I mean, did did the did the gang paradox get into this a little bit? Did they did they address that? Um, you know, I mean, how how's how's next year going to be better than this last year? Well, they are definitely conscious of that, and you know, it did it did come up, um, and they they you know in the kind of uh, keynote address, um, and you know they they were contrite about it, and um, and uh, definitely want to improve, uh, but it you know remains to be seen. I mean, they weren't going to say no, we're not going to fix that. Um, we're just going to keep putting out broken games. Um, that that I don't think anyone expected them to say that. So um, it's kind of just a wait and see uh, whether or not they they actually you know are willing to put in the extra time and effort to to put them out in, in a playable condition. Yeah, Frederick Wester brought that up several times during the initial press conference, and I did a separate interview with him later to try and get more details on exactly what was changing. But basically, Paradox is going to be more involved in the QA process from the very beginning with all the games that that they sign on. So I'm really hoping that they have a a much stronger year from that perspective, because nobody likes to buy a broken game. It just makes everybody upset. Yeah, especially you know these games look promising, and you know I'm, I want to play uh, several of them, and and uh, I don't want to have a crappy experience, obviously. Yeah, I, I was trying to review Magicka when it came out, and of course my save game kept getting deleted, so it was just really Oof. frustrating to do that on a deadline. And I'm hoping that I will not have a repeat experience. Yeah, I mean yeah. the, the Magicka one was the was a really frustrating experience for a lot of people, where I mean multiplayer just flat out wouldn't work, and that's that's a game that really sort of sings in multiplayer. So at at the same time they they have done an excellent job of supporting it. They patched the hell out of it quickly and uh and did get it into good shape and have put out a, just a bunch of great content for it. Um not that doesn't excuse a bad launch. Um but it at least shows a commitment to it. Um so that they're not just putting it out there and you know Haha, ha, suckers! You bought this crap, and and now we we've got your money, and you know, don't care what happens. That, that, that's 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 true, and that that's that's commendable. I do feel it's kind of a double-edged sword, like especially in in niches like the one that Paradox, uh, you know, works in, uh, which is that you got you get publishers that get develop a really good reputation for you know post-release support and everything, but then I think you get this mindset, certainly on the part of the fans, where it's like, no, no, it's cool. They always they always fix their games in patch, and uh, you know that that always works and, until it doesn't. You know, like I, I think if you if you bought uh, Sword of the Stars on day one, um, you know I, I I don't I don't think that game is ever going to really turn into a, a great strategy game. Uh, I don't I don't think the I don't think the bones are there for it. Um, but but I, I don't know. It's just 
I'm I'm ambivalent about it. You know, like it, it is great to see them to see them fix so many games, but at the same time, it it it, it has reached a point. I would say, where this this is not a publisher that I can I can easily bring myself to trust uh, when when it comes to a new release. I think that's very fair, and and you know, as always, I I encourage people to wait for reviews before they before they pull the trigger on anything because it's very possible that that it's it's broken. Well, but but that's that's the other thing, I guess, uh, of why I become much more skeptical of Paradox. I mean, just uh, you know, just I would say a year ago, uh, they seem to be much more forthcoming with uh, pre-release code, uh, where where you get your review copies, which show up in your in your Gamersgate Press account. Uh, you know, maybe a few weeks uh, before before the game launched, and that really seems to have dried up. Uh, sort of the stars, they they act. You know, they they actually went out and said, "Well, we're not going. We're not going to send me your your review codes uh, for for a week because uh, we got to fix this game." Um, yeah, and um, and on that note, uh, King Arthur two, uh, we're recording this on the twenty sixth. It comes out on the twenty seventh. We don't have a review copy yet. Um, Didn't the demo just come out today? A demo did come out today, yes. But uh, but yeah, no no review copy ahead of release, which is usually a pretty bad sign. Yeah, exactly, and and so I, and that and that just makes it again go, going to going to that trust issue, and I guess to a degree customer service, like you know they got they've got they've got a good relationship with their customers, and certainly in a lot of cases it's deserved. Like I mean, I I love a lot of the games that Paradox uh, themselves have have developed, uh, but it is it is really frustrating to be sitting here uh, waiting for code and having seen uh, review code come out very late. And they have they have not made it available. Like I mean, obviously, you know, we can we can, we can buy the game when it comes out. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're preventing the ability. You're you're preventing uh, gamers on the day the game comes out uh, to to kind of have fair warning of what they're getting into. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's 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 totally why they do it. Is they they I mean, in in many cases, not exclusively, but in many cases, they withhold review code because they're not expecting a good review, and yeah. the review will only hurt them. Yeah, um, but you know, hope to, hope to be proven wrong. Uh, I hope I hope King Arthur Two is great. Uh, so you got you guys would have had a chance to see that though. Uh, I was not there. I was not shown at the show. Nope, they were busy uh, polishing off the last little bit so they could get it out. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now everything. Now I'm seeing monsters and you know monsters behind every curtain. You know, I'm more interested in the dog that didn't. <laughs> um, well, for this new QA process, it's not in place for a lot of the games that are coming out right now. So I, I'm really looking forward to when it is firmly entrenched in all Paradox games. And, and hopefully they turn their reputation around. Because as you can see on every post that, that's around the internet about Paradox games, like, oh, I can't wait to play this, but, you know, I'll wait for the fourth patch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So going, going to internally developed games, was Crusader Kings there? Um, it was, but it was they were just doing uh, some tournaments, and I didn't participate in those because I ran off to write things. Um, Jen, did you see it? Yes, uh, it's there. It's pretty much the same uh, game that we have in our press accounts. Nice and stable. Very happy about that. Uh, but they weren't really showing anything new because the game's coming out really soon. So it's just going to be out, and there you go. Okay. Those are those are just about all the games that that I that, that I'm that I'm really that I that I personally am really interested in, uh, but those are also the games I, I know to ask for. Uh, so so what other announcements were there? Uh, anything else catch your eye? Well, there was a game of dwarves, which uh, 
kind of hilarious. Uh, it's it's a it's kind of a you know, dungeon keeper style uh, game, uh, kind of a a uh, Lord of the Rings uh, st- like like Mines of Moria kind of setup where you're dwarves digging deeper uh, until you run into something evil, uh, which you know c- could be could be fun or it could you know be kind of basic, but that that one's uh, being uh, it's I think it's our only cross-platform. Uh, game right now. It's being designed for PlayStation as well as PC. It's kind of amusing. It looks like it has a good sense of humor. Um, they also announced another Magicka expansion where you play as a bad guy, which is you know could be could be interesting. And now that Magicka were, were, the, is, were the Magicka guys actually good? <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking well, the carnage yeah, in that I, game. As the the bad guys were were goblins and stuff. So yeah. Um, so it, but it's called the other side of the coin. So you're playing as the the guys that you were shooting before. You're playing as as vampires, or a vampire. One player is a vampire, and the other players are necromancers. Um, and so there's a mechanic where they they work together and uh, and you know buff each other basically. Is is Vlad back as a character? He is, but he, he's not playable. Okay. Yes, you're playing as Alucard, as any Castlevania Symphony of the Night fan will go, oh, that guy. And yeah, then you'll actually, the art and then go, oh, I see what they're going for. It's actually Alucard, because apparently they, they couldn't, they, you know, that was a legal issue for them. <laughs> really? But isn't it, Alucard, like, kind of just in the vampire legend, or? You would think so, but they, they didn't, uh, didn't want to take that chance. So now they have Dracula backwards. Oh, excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> It'll work anyway. So hang on, though. so go back to go back to Game of Dwarves because so what I've heard about that is basically um, what it isn't. I see. I keep seeing Frederick Wester on Twitter saying, you know, damn it, it's not Dwarf Fortress. Um, <laughs> so you say it's a dungeon keeper type thing. So are you like the evil thing that the dwarves awaken, or what's no, what's going on in this game? You're controlling the dwarves and and uh, you know helping them dig this mine. And then uh, they, they didn't they didn't really show us very much of it, but uh, you, we we pretty much just saw the the launch trailer, which you can find on YouTube and everywhere. But it's um, uh, you know you're just managing them and and you know building rooms where they sleep and and do things that dwarves do. <laughs> Again, we we didn't see too much about it, but uh, but it, it it does seem to be um, in keeping with with the dungeon keeper tradition. Um, and uh, you know I. I Asked the uh, the designer about you know about his um, his inspiration. He definitely cited Dun- Dungeon Keeper in there. So uh, hopefully it will be more along those lines than uh, Calypso's Dungeons was. Yes, we were hey, all Dungeons that. was okay. It was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't what Dungeon Keeper fans wanted. Yeah, definitely. And uh, certainly, I, once I stepped away from it, I certainly realized that there there was much more repetition in there than than was really healthy for a game. But um. Yeah, so fingers crossed for that. Um, was did you, did you get a chance to look at Salem? I did. Yes, so, it looks insane. Yeah, so that, <laughs> so that was the impression I got last year. Uh, so so where are they? Where where are they with that right now? And can can you actually see a game in there yet? Because when I saw it last year, it looked like um, some sort of like crafting descent into hell. Um. And it depends on what you call a game. I mean, it it definitely has. <laughs> That's promising. That sounds good. It definitely has. You know what many people would refer to as gameplay. Um, you know, <laughs> it, in that you're you're chopping down trees and collecting stuff and using it to build things. Um, and you know, which you know, if you consider like SimCity a game, then yeah, it's you know a game, and you know you're collecting resources and using them to build things. Um, it's 
not the most exciting of gameplay, but it does also have combat. They didn't show us combat, but they were saying that um, the further you get away from civilization, uh, the more like like around civilization you'll see like beavers and standard wildlife wildlife. But if you get further away, you start running into Lovecraftian beasts of some type that they did not show. Yeah. Um, so there there is combat, and if you die, you stay dead. So that's a very interesting setup. They, you know, they're, they're introducing the, the concept of permadeath to an MMO. Um, and the, I think one of the, the really interesting, th- interesting things to me about it was uh, their kind of crime and punishment system. Um, because you can, you can walk up to somebody and kill them in combat, um, but that marks you as a murderer. And, uh, and so there, there are then like traces and clues left, left behind at the scene of the crime another player can come along and pick up those clues and it will event- somehow lead him to you or if you are offline it will lead him to, to your house and even if you're offline if he finds your house he can summon your character into the game and punish him in some way shape or form up to and including death um so it, it's it's kind of a kind of an interesting system and because because it's free to play my, my first question is like isn't that going to to cause uh, griefers just swarm in here and just kill people That's and not care. Yeah. But the 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 their response to that is actually pretty clever, in that uh, in order to engage in combat of, of any kind, um, you need to unlock skills, which involves you know going through uh, you know leveling up a certain amount. Um, so you can't just start a character and instantly attack somebody. And for people who are scared by the permadeath, like let's say you have like a really cool house and a farm and all this stuff that you just think, oh crap, I died. Well, the next character you create can be, you know, his hair. So you will inherit all that stuff and still get to use it. But you will have to relearn any new skills that you want to follow. So yeah, it's, it's not it's not total permadeath. It's it's not like uh, like you lose absolutely everything, but you do lose your character's progress. Right, but you can start with some of the, like the the stuff you've. Uh, surrounded yourself with, right? Okay. So it it, it looks like it it could be, you know, an, an interesting experience. It's it's definitely not a game that that uh, that's designed to appeal to me personally, <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, it's like the, the the main idea of it is to to civilize the land by which they mean building a bunch of churches. Um, okay. <laughs> because you know it's it's based on, on right, right, right. Salem and yeah. And there, there, there is, uh, there is witchcraft in it, and witchcraft is a crime. And if you're seen uh, using witchcraft, then you are, you know, marked for punishment. Um, and they, they did show like you can, you can get a, a broomstick and fly around on it. And if somebody sees you doing that, this, then you're in trouble. This sounds like this sounds like it could be fascinating in a weird like sociological experiment kind of way. Like I'm not sure I want to play this game, but you talking about I want to, I want to see how people play the game. Exactly. I want to read about it. Same thing with Eve. I don't play yeah, Eve, yeah, yeah. but I like reading about Eve. I want to see how people mess with each other. <laughs> so, so Jen, I, I got the sense that maybe a little, a little more in your wheelhouse, uh, certainly, but maybe not all the way there. Um, well, basically, I'm just holding Pokemon against you at this point. I, I figure you're you're all over obsessive, um, crazy bullshit. So, uh, so what? What vibe are you getting off of this? Does this does this look interesting to you as as, as something that that would scratch that sort of col- you know collectible itch or or not? Uh, I'm definitely going to play it for a while. I don't know how long I'll be into the world, 
uh, it's kind of funny because like the entire thing is player economy. They will have a company store tentatively right now called Hudson's Bay Company, but I'm pretty sure that our Canadian Hudson Bay Company might take issue. So they might have to rename it. Uh, but basically, everything is done between players, and it's just a couple of basics that you can get from the official company store. And it's one world, it's persistent daytime, the only time it gets dark is when you're wandering like farther away from civilization, and that's when you get the squonks and hide-behinds and all those other weird random creatures out in the wilderness that will come out as opposed to the deer and beavers and happy stuff that's close to civilization. But as this game gets more people, the land is going to become more crowded, and I'm wondering what kind of competition there will be for resources. Like, what happens if people go and chop down literally every tree in the forest? Right, and they, they they didn't talk they didn't talk about that. Like, what's no, going they, like they did. They oh, did. So, so yeah. yeah. So civilization rolls in. Like, what? Well, how does the game? Like, first of all, will there always be a frontier? Will there always be a, like a wilderness that you can? Well, they they say the world is so vast that it is. Not impossible, but wildly impractical for even the the most dedicated griefer to cut down all the trees. Um, the they you know and, and they they showed me um, uh, you know but what it takes to cut down a tree and it's actually a considerable amount of time that goes into that. Uh, they they said you know they've they've had people because they're they're running a, a beta. They've had people come in and say, "Ha ha, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up your your game and cut down all your trees," and you know they cut down a few acres and then get bored. Oh my god. Well, yeah, one person would, but man, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I mean, you know, for if if was it was it four chan the, the the goon squad in uh, Eve? Oh yeah, the four chan like guild. Um, I believe it, I yeah, believe I, that was that man. Yeah, I would put I would put nothing past those guys. And something uh, awful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that was something awful too. Yeah, so that again, I, again, I kind of want to see it, but so 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 the three of us though, we're we're going to become serial killers in that game, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be like, we'll we'll go into the game, and we're just going to start like, m- like murdering people. Yeah, great. And you oh. can you can you can seriously get away with that, right? Like, if you're clever enough. I'm going to be um, a cop. I'm not, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the uh, what the uh, clue system is like. So I don't know if you can actually cover your tracks. Oh man, I, I really hope. Ooh, if if there's some sort of investigative. Yeah, if I this. if I can like do a Dexter in there, I'm totally there. <laughs> So you can murder people and find other people who murder right, people. Right, and, and Jen, you can, you can catch the cases. Yeah. Well, there and you go. Make I'll sure start assigning them solved. to you, and I'll do all yeah. the legwork. Exactly. Yeah, so you can, you can be Deb. And, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Is this all going to be on one world? Uh, for, for, for starters, well, at there's least. Gonna I, be no, yeah. There's going to be no, like, sharding, like, where the multiple servers, it's going to be one world, everyone working in the same new world. Uh, it sounds that way, but uh, you know, I'm sure it depends on how many players they get. They could always open a new one if they need to. If they need to. Okay, well that's that's Salem, uh, sounding still crazy as ever, <laughs> um, and yet potentially the world needs crazy. Not without value. Uh, so beyond that, uh, beyond beyond that, and Game of Dwarves. Uh, any other new announcements? Any uh, any other games uh, of note that we should discuss? Um, I mean, they, they had uh, Napoleon's Campaigns 2, um, which looked. I mean, the map looks pretty. Um, you know, it's it's one, another one of those you know very uh, very kind of hardcore simulationy things that um, war games that, that probably a little bit out of my depth. Right. Um, so well, it's right hard in for, me to... for Paradox core fan base. 
Yeah. Right, but it, but it it's still using it, it looks at least to me like it's still kind of working off the same design as uh, it looks like yet another descendant of like EU three, for instance. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's uh, it's definitely simplified. I, they they say they've only got two resources in there, uh, money and manpower. So it's 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 not um, it's not quite as complex as a lot of them, um, but probably still over my head. <laughs> So do they get into it all, like, how they're going to make combat actually interesting in this game? Because, I mean, you know, if, you, if you've if you played, like, Europa, like, Europa Universalis, or really any of the games that have sort of spawned off of it, uh, Victoria and such, basically, like, two armies move into a territory, and the battle sort of plays itself. And it's, it really just becomes an issue primarily of manpower. Well, the, um, the, uh, the battle does still play itself, but there is some arrangement you have to do beforehand. Um, you have to... you. Have different officers that you set up to to you know be your vanguard and your flanks and your and your reserve, and how they interact with the other officers uh, plays a big part of the battle. So that and that that was that was a fairly interesting aspect of it. Um, but there's it seems like there there's so many of them that <laughs> it's it'd be quite a quite a task to to actually figure out what what the best arrangements are going to be. Um, and yeah, I'm sure some gamers are going to be really into that. Hmm. Yeah, I really like the look of it. I, I like the the personality management aspect of it, as well as the army management. So yeah, you don't want to send, you know, everybody up the right flank all the time. But sometimes a nice surprise attack like that will work if your officer is really good at getting your men hyped and ready to just charge in. If that's his specialty, if you're on a hill and he's really great at hill battles, it's going to really work out for you. So. That kind of reminds me about what we were talking about before the show, Jen. Uh, the the weird crew chief mode, basically B spec in uh, Gran Turismo Five, and it just se- it just seems to me like I mean, isn't that wouldn't that be, it sounds like it would be really easy to optimize for in kind of an RPG way, right? Like I mean, this is kind of what this general does. So you just once you figure out what these guys do, you just you're kind of on autopilot. Well, yes, yes and no, because it, it depends on what you're going up against. Uh, you know, some some might be better. Uh, you know, so there might be counters to some of these guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, also there, there is a, the matter of uh, some of these guys apparently don't get along with each other. So oh, you can, ha- so you can have situations where uh, where the you know what one general needs backup and another general will not help him uh, because he doesn't like him. Which I guess apparently happened in several battles. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So you know, depending on how well that actually works, it could be pretty neat. Yeah, it really helps Napoleon's campaigns just stand out a little bit more from the general send everybody in. Yeah, you basically turn me 180 degrees around on that. Uh, now that you've got like the personality element uh, work, working in that, that's that's unique. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I can really think of games that have that have really done that beyond like you know sort of a, a, a stat card way, right? Where like a guy provides a certain morale boost or something. Right. Uh, it, but it, it does seem it's, it seems like it has potential. Okay. So is this paradox internally developed? Is this one of their um, uh, Ajod Paradox teams? France? Yeah, oh, form, so formerly is it Philippe? Ajod. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Yes. All right. Okay. <laughs> um. But it, but it's but it's not working off but it's not working off their old engine. This is working off like the EU three. It's like real time, possible continuous time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, I guess the, the other the other game that I wanted to mention was uh, was uh, Warlock. Are you, have you seen anything on that one? Nope. Ah, uh, this will be fun. What, what's the subtitle on that one, Jen? Uh, Master of the Arcane. Right. Okay. So it's it's um... the Troy Goodfellow story. <laughs> no, so it it looks 
Like it, the first time I saw it, I was like, huh, why is somebody playing Civilization Five at this event? Um, it, they they have fairly flagrantly looked ripped off the uh, the look and feel of Civ Five. Um, it's and you know the the UI is very very similar. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's, very, it's very, 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 very similar. Like, yeah. like, so, like there may be a lawsuit similar, or, um, you know, I, I don't know if if they can if if you can actually sue over. That. We we had a show on that, uh, yeah. and that, that remains to be seen. But I, if, if are... Zanga can't get sued for for their tiny tower thing, ah, then, true. Uh, yeah, they're they're not going to get sued over this. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so so it 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 really looks like Civ Five, but um, but it's what, what's the what? Yeah, the theme is fantasy. Yeah, so it's got it's got you know it's probably in gameplay closer to like uh, Might and Magic than uh, than Civ because it's it's um, uh, it, it does have like all, you know the, the Civ Five kind of uh, one unit per tile combat, um, but it's also got uh, magic abilities. You know your your you know character is which is not uh, actually on the map, but you know you're, you're looking down on it. You're the, the wizard trying to trying to become the 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 uh, you know all powerful wizard, the warlock, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so you can you can like cast fireballs down on the map, and uh, it's it it's kind of light city simulation. So it's not not as uh, as city sim heavy as Civilization is. Um. And there are like a lot more uh, neutral creatures running around the map, uh, so it, it does have you know some fundamental differences. Also, in the combat, units is, units have resistance resistances to certain types of uh, of damage. Like like a vampire is is resistant to magic damage, for example. Um, so that there were, and there are like a bunch of giant like sea monsters running around, and you can summon these creatures as well sometimes. Um, I'm I'm interested to play it. So because of the, because of the theming, like once you had a better idea of what was going on, like uh, do, do the differences? It, it, I mean, certainly it sounds like there, there's a lot of things there that you just simply could not do in Civ Five. I mean, that sounds like that those aspects of it would be very different. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say you couldn't do them in Civ Five with a good mod. Well, right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, in stock Civ Five, the the experience is, is going to be pretty different. Yeah. Now, did I, you ever play um? Oh, it was a mod for Civ Four. I'll fall from heaven. Did you ever uh, I play around with that? I never did play that, but I guess he's now uh, he's now working on it. the the modder who did that is now the lead designer for Elemental Fallen Enchantress. Right. Yeah, uh, Derek yeah, Derek Paxton. Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I was just going to ask, like, does this have a? Does I was going to ask uh, if this seemed like it might be sort of a similar vibe. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, is the Elemental comparison uh, a good one? Uh, in this case, um, it is it's it shares some stuff with Elemental. It doesn't seem to have quite as much of an RPG element, okay. um, and the the maps are randomly generated, unlike Elemental. And yeah, I I forget exactly how the combat works yeah. in Elemental, but it's it's different from that. Okay, yeah, it, it's kind of a messed up uh, Heroes mini game, Heroes of Might and Magic mini game. Right. And there's there's definitely. Um, you know, some some crossover, but it's not, it's closer to Civ than, right. than Elemental. So you just like are you just like researching spells and stuff instead of like electricity? Yes, and uh, and in fact, there there is a uh, you know one one of the things your cities generate is science. And I, I, I asked, well, what what do you get with the what does science get you? Oh, that unlocks spells. I'm like, really? Science unlocks as as it religion. does in real life, actually. <laughs> hey, but, good uh, science yeah. is indistinguishable from magic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
that was that was their the response is that sufficiently advanced science looks like magic. All right. Well, that that sounds um, it sounds interesting. Is that is that again? Is that internally developed or is that an outside studio? That is an outside studio. Okay. Um, I'll have to look up who did that, but uh, Inco actually, Plus. Oh, thank you. She's way ahead of me. There is there's one other thing. Did they have Magna Mundi there? They did not show it. No, no. it was, was there not any there. Any word of it? They 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 said that it was coming, but they didn't uh, they didn't show anything more than box art. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's just that was another game that looked. There were some really interesting ideas there. That uh, that's but, the game that, that's described as the the game where where you know if all all paradoxes uh, games are not complex enough for you. Uh, <laughs> I guess this is the one that's born of of uh, people complaining that those games are too simple. Yeah, that's a dangerous pitch. I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it, certainly, my my impression of it when I saw it last year was it, it looked like there were going to be a lot cooler dynamics. Like, not necessarily the the vibe I got wasn't necessarily that it was going to be like more complexity for complexity's sake, but more that you'd have to wrestle with things outside your control. Like in Europe Universalis, you know, it's all very like you guide the direction of your country. Uh, pretty close. You, you're you have very good control of your country over the centuries, you know. So you can you can follow these really coherent strategies. Where the where the big twist in this game seemed to be, um, you know, you can influence your country, but it still has like competing factions in it. They're going to want to develop it in a certain way, and you got to sort of balance those interests and figure out who you're going to piss off and uh, who you're going to really embrace. And that has that has. Uh, you know that has consequences in, in how your what your country can do down the road. So that so that sounded interesting. It was it was one of those things that sounded like a really co- cool concept. If you can nail it, uh, then you've really got you know a fantastic history simulator. Maybe a better one than a European Universalis. But what what made me worry a little bit was um well I mean you know it was it was it was an enthusiastic mod team uh, that I, I I kind of I kind of wondered about the experience level a little bit. Um, so I was, I was hoping to hear some news of that. But not yet. Okay. Did they did they talk about uh, release date at all? Oh, there's not even a press sheet for it. It was completely invisible. All right. Well, I guess I'll just I'll 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 Google that after the show and 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 leave a note. Uh, Yeah. At least at least they're not rushing it. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. I just hope it doesn't become uh, modern vaporware. But (laughs) we will see. So that should about cover it. Uh, Oh. uh, Defenders of Ardania was a game I saw last year. Tower Defense. Oh, that wasn't there either. Okay. Uh, EU release date to be determined. Huh. Okay. Yeah, when I saw it, it looked pretty far along, but yeah, it's weird. I thought that was out already for some reason. I guess the 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 one last thing I, I'd ask is, uh, so Paradox is a, is primarily a PC publisher. Uh, any any talk of moving in more console directions or uh, tablet directions? Uh, definitely. Although, like one of the one of the big uh, points of uh, of the keynote was that uh, con- like oh, consoles are going to go away after this next generation. There will be no no more consoles after this. So they're they're not putting a lot of a lot of uh, stock in the in the in consoles in particular. But um, and I, I don't think they they didn't talk much about mobile specifically, other than hey that that would be great. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean they're they are putting out some stuff on console like, like with uh, Game of Dwarves, but uh, not not a big push in there. I mean, they are, I think uh, he said there were 95% PC revenue right now. Yeah. And um, 
and uh, 97% of, the, of uh, revenue comes from uh, digital distribution. Um, but yeah, so not not a big not a big console push yet. Yeah, but and certainly doesn't sound like they have need for one. Nope, and they, and they're still they, they reported like big growth numbers too. They always do. They're they're always coming along. I just they're they're growing. Their product lineup is 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 growing. I just I, I kind of hope that um you know as we as we discussed earlier, I kind of hope their uh their QA, their ability to manage outside projects. I hope that sort of catches up with the uh, scale of operations uh, they're working on now. Yeah, especially with uh, War of the Roses because that is an ambitious product project, and they they did say they were they were throwing a lot of money at it, and it's it's by far their biggest ever. Oh wow! Okay. Well, I guess I guess we will see, and that and that was that, that's a ways out, though, right? Yeah, uh, it is. It is scheduled for this year, and they are saying that they will show it um, uh, in more more uh, detail at GDC. All right. Uh, well, that about does it for the show. Any any last remarks? Uh, go Gettysburg. <laughs> All right. I, I I just that game tickles me. I don't know why. I, I I just wanna I wanna get my hands on it and play it and even if it's not a very good game, I think I'll have a good time with it. Absolutely. I, I just can't wait to dive into uh Crusader Kings two proper, the actual release code. Yeah. There's just so much you can do in that game, it's staggering. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested. Uh, Sengoku kinda dinged my enthusiasm a little bit, but everything I hear is that uh the comparison isn't really a good one between that and and Sengoku, that this one is a much more refined game and much more um customized for for what crusader kings is about so fingers crossed for that all right well thanks for uh joining me guys and thanks for making me feel almost as if i were there hooray mission accomplished (laughs) pardon i'm sure you're slightly warmer though uh yeah i I, I was a lot warmer uh but sadly i was also probably a lot more sober so uh Certainly, certainly. My my, my memory of, Fre- of Frederick Wester is just him constantly handing people drinks. Well, he, he did kind of uh, pick up the uh, the Richard Garriott uh, tradition and dressed in like full like king regalia. Oh lord! Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was quite a sight. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for some excellent on the ground reporting. And uh, boy, it's it, it, once again, it sounds like it sounds like it was a good paradox con. Like a lot of interesting stuff that uh, I have high hopes for and and many doubts. We will, <laughs> but that but that is paradox all over. All right. Uh, so thanks for uh, listening to this show. Um, I'm sorry I was not able to. Sorry if it seems a little thrown together. I was I was traveling all week, and I apologize for the uh, the delay in in putting this together. And uh, next week, I'm sure we will have a topic of some sort as well. Uh, that's how on top of things I am these days. Uh, but for now, say good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>